Washington, D.C., this is the Education Gadfly Show. Is Rick crazy or bleep bleep crazy? What do you think? What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. Please join me in welcoming my co-hosts for our news roundup, Alyssa Schwenk and Kevin Mankin. Hi, Mike. Did I butcher either of your names? Not this time. No, that was as good as anyone ever gets it. Wow. <laughs> I, you know, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm working on it. I am working on it. They, they say in the radio business, that's what really matters. Getting people's uh, names right. Doesn't that, that and not okay. making stuff up, I think is the other thing. I think those two matter in the newspaper business too. But. That is right. And yet how many times have people gotten my name wrong in print? Petrelli has two eyes, so? one I e. am not what's related your, your most- to Petrelli, who was a superhero on that show, Superheroes. So uh, Peter Petrelli, nope. I guess he, he was a superhero. Peter yeah. Oh, on Heroes. On, Heroes. On, on, yeah, from like 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that recently came back. Yeah. Have you? Well, have but you I don't know. If I, I'm not sure and, if he's if he's back too. I'm not sure. That's a good question. We'll have to look into that. Okay, so guys, let's talk about news this week in education reform. Uh, first of all, the passing of the music icon Prince. Turns out, Prince was something of a closet education reformer. Prince was I would a be lot taking of it things. So far, I <laughs> <laughs> do like the way I said closet. Yeah, see, yeah. see that, that was very sly. Wasn't deep, it? deep beneath rows of coats and 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 hangers. Way, way, yeah. way. He's he he. Uh, there's an interesting story story that came out about him uh, last week. Um, that he essentially acted as the inspiration behind the uh, creation of a dropout recovery school in yeah. his home mm-hmm. area of the Twin Cities. A charter school. Let us note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But but there's more, right? I mean, I've been reading about how he used yeah, to have he's... concerts that were just cover for his covert covert charitable operations, uh, I... concerts for, you know, hearing impaired college students. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff. He certainly, I think, was one of those guys that had a lot of interest in a lot of places and just yeah. a really cool and unique perspective of doing things and doing philanthropy and he certainly cared about a lot of stuff. But, you know, hey, let us say this, that if, you know, he's an innovative guy and if you want to do an innovation in education, you go charter. That's just what you do. That's just what you do. All right. Another topic to hang to talk about this week. Uh, Kate Taylor over the weekend had this piece on the opt out movement. She is a reporter at The New York Times. But this was a interesting news analysis piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not straight news, not quite opinion. She was trying to make the case that the opt-out movement was now diversifying, that there were more people of color getting involved, and yet she had no data to back that up. Uh, what, what's up with this, Alyssa? I mean, is it, first of all, is this what reporters should be doing? And, and second of all, don't we need evidence if you're going to make a claim like that? I mean, I think she's certainly trying to anticipate a trend that may or may not be emerging. Um, and... I think the question of whether or not opt-out is, you know, hashtag opt-out so white is Mm -hmm. something that's really hanging over their movement and really hanging over kind of this conversation about standards in general and testing in general. Like, how does this affect testing and standards and accountability started with ESEA, which was supposed to help us do better at educating low-income and minority kids. And now it's this big question. Like, are we? And and the thing is, all the evidence I've seen illustrates that that – African-American, Latino parents are much more supportive of testing Mm -hmm. and accountability policies, very worried about their kids being held Mm -hmm. to lower expectations. We have evidence from good studies showing that teachers do tend to have lower Mm -hmm. expectations for 
poor and minority students, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and we have this di- dilemma right now where our schools keep telling most kids that they are on track for college when they are not. Mm-mm. So, again, I, I can understand uh, why perhaps upper middle class white parents feel like the tests are doing harm and not giving them much above benefit, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it makes sense that they make up most of the opt out movement. Uh, mm-hmm. But, if you know, if Kate's going to make this claim that there's now this growing number of, of African-American Latino uh, parents that are getting involved. Back it up. Show us yeah. some evidence. You're forgetting yeah. the anecdotal evidence, though. Mike. <sighs> there were there were a couple of quotes in there, um, but but you're yeah. right. And there was strikingly, it was sort of strikingly devoid of um, you know polling information, like yeah. like we saw from uh, like Ednext last year. Um, you you need something a little more than quotes from a couple uh, of families and advocacy mm-hmm. groups. If you're gonna I, I would argue like that, that anecdotal evidence is an oxymoron. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. That is Spoken not evidence. like a think tank president. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right. One more topic to talk about. Uh, Rick Hess and Gerard Robinson, oh, our God. friends over at another think tank, American Enterprise Institute, wrote this curious piece where they were at least it seemed like praising this bill introduced in Mississippi that would have teachers grade parents on their parenting. Now, now Rick has walked it back a little bit since then saying, well, I don't exactly support this bill. I agree. It's kind of Orwellian, but, but I appreciate the issue that the legislature is raising. Is Rick crazy or bleep bleep crazy? What do you think? I mean, those are two separate questions. Um, but I think that the urge is not misplaced, which sounds like damning with faint praise. Um, certainly, I don't think grading parents or building that component into a child's like overall grade is the right thing to do. But certainly, you know, there are tons of charter schools where a parent contract is a huge component of mm-hmm. that family's continued presence at that school. You know, the parents have to show up to conferences. They have to volunteer X hours. And certainly, you know, we've discussed quite a bit about keeping people on, keeping kids on the success sequence. Who's with kids mm-hmm. the, their entire journey, birth through 18? Parents. If we can get parents more involved, get parents more active, I think that's a net benefit for everyone. Don't think we should be putting that into the kids' math grade, mm-hmm. though. See, here's a case where we need some peer review, I think, as in let parents grade one another because we parents love to criticize wait, wait, wait. each other. Wait, I'm sorry. Isn't that the whole, like, <laughs> urban mommy blog that you're supposed exactly. to be staying no, off that's of? No, that's my whole point. We love – there's nothing more we like to do than <laughs> cast judgment on other parents. Could we get, a, could we get like, a Yelp or some other some other That's, form. Oh of, my God! We'll a, take a, a you forum the- for judging parents, yeah. if possible. I would be the most chronic poster. Just I would sit at the park outside my house, and I would let I would let her. And what, what are you judging I, parents for? Being the, being helicopter the, parents, the, the or names being, they give or their not kids. being. Oh the no, names they give their kids. They're, all, they're all Finnegan and Aiden. It has to stop. Yeah, I, I will know. say I almost started a blog once called "Bad Parenting at Disney" to document all of the egregious. Don't climb on that moments that you see while waiting in line for It's a Small World. Uh-huh. But see, th- th- this is where we really struggle with with the helicopter parenting <laughs> on the one hand and the free range parenting on the other. So what we need are free range helicopters or something like that. OK, that is all with the time we've got for this week's news roundup. Some tortured concepts. <laughs> all right. Hey, we got we got Prince coming out of the closet. We'll re- charity. We'll re- we got free we'll range helicopters. This, this is uh, hey, this is what we do here. And now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute.
Amber, welcome back to the show. And Robert Pendicio, great to have you here with us as well. Thanks, Mike. What is going on in education research, Amber? Well, we have a new study out by Seth Gershenson that examines how accountability pressure, the pressure associated with NCLB, yes, we're back doing NCLB studies, Mm. is linked to teacher attendance. Okay, mm-hmm. so he used data from North Carolina, our one of our favorite data-loving mm-hmm. states. Like, it's just got a great database uh, for the first two years of NCLB. Okay, so he's studying NCLB in North Carolina for the first two years of implementation. And the treatment is failing to make AYP in the first year of NCLB, which then turns on, we all remember this, then turns on the threat of sanctions for failing to make AYP in two consecutive years, right? right? So now you've got, you know that you fail AYP. And the effect of that and, on teacher attendance? Right, and on teacher attendance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're all off out of the building looking for other jobs. No. Uh, he compares Title I schools that failed to make AYP in 2003, okay. first year, to Title I schools that made AYP in 2003, okay. operating under the idea that those who didn't make it would be, again, under greater pressure Mm -hmm. okay and then he looked at the trends in those two groups of schools before and after nclb took effect Hmm. all right that's i could go on about the methods Mm -hmm. but that's the gist get it Uh, on average failing to make ayp in the initial year of nclb decreased annual teacher absences in the subsequent year decreased teacher absences came to school absences Mm -hmm. that's right okay by about 10 percent Decreased absences in the next year by 10%. Further, the likelihood of being absent 15 or more times, which apparently some teachers are absent 15 or more times. On top of the time off they already get. Exactly. Uh, That fell by about 30%. Wow. Okay. Um, And then he goes into like how these things differ by groups and found that the effect of this accountability pressure, again, associated with failing to make AYP, AYP, Mm -hmm. is concentrated in the bottom half of the effectiveness distribution particularly those in the bottom quartile, which Mm -hmm. suggests that this accountability pressure was more effective in increasing the attendance of the least effective teachers. So when you're Mm -hmm. afraid for your job, you show up. Which is so odd, and I don't know if Seth's listening or not, but I was scrambling because I was looking at the working paper and the published paper, and the working paper, he had the exact opposite thing, that it had more impact on the Mm high-performing teachers. Mm -hmm. And then the published paper ended up saying, Lisa, I'm like, "Ah, I got to email him and see Mm -hmm. what happened here. But the published paper says more of an impact on the least effective teachers. And I should say, Seth uh, is one of our emerging education, education policy, policy scholars. scholars. Uh, yes. at, uh, he's at it's AU, right? American he University? He is. Uh, right? not sure. I'm going to forget that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so sorry, I forgot that wrong, Seth. Yes. Look, this is... So first of all, this is interesting. There's a growing body of evidence. Matt Barnum at the 74 mm-hmm. made this case mm-hmm. that, that, lo and behold, no child left behind worked. Now, that doesn't mean that it was perfect or we right. didn't have plenty of unintended side effects. What and there were, worked. well, and, and that there's also studies on achievement that yes. at least okay. in the very early years of No Child Left Behind, you got this big achievement bump. bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and it, it, went, it didn't go back down, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of hit this bump and now it has plateaued. Uh, but there was that bump. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it strikes me. I mean, we have this situation in education, it seems to me, that, you know, we have these big reforms. They become very unpopular very quickly. Yes. There's early evidence that they're not working, and we abandon them. And then later, we find out, oh, you <laughs> hey, know what? They what? worked. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, so, it's 2016, and this data yeah. were what, from 2002? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so but what like, do we do? Do we just have 14-year I mean, patients? Because put in the category. So no child left behind to some degree. 
smaller, smaller schools, schools at least yes. in New York City mm-hmm. to some degree, right? Even charter schools in the early years, the performance data was was not super promising. It's right. gotten a lot better. Now that may be because of policy change and other things, right? Maybe this is going to be how the Common Core thing plays out. Almost Ooh. certainly. Right? Yeah. I mean, you've certainly the popularity is is low and uh, and you've got some people like Tom Loveless making the case that maybe we've already seen right. whatever gains we're right. going to get from this thing. But who knows? Maybe the lesson here is, look, we just have to be careful not to make uh, conclusions too early. Right. Uh, Again, not that that's easy because if you're a policymaker or a practitioner, you know, you're living in the real world and you don't have a ton of time. And then there's the real world effect of, hey, my kid's in fourth grade now and I need need help, need a fix right now. Right. And uh, what do you do about like, this is retroactive analysis, right? Like, oh, oh, uh oh, we can't go back and hit the redo button, you know? So I don't know. I'm with yeah. you. I get the patience part, but yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. it's really, really difficult to say, okay, oh, by the way, we messed up. Maybe mm-hmm. it did have some positive effects, but now we can't learn from it, right? Can we mm-hmm. say, okay, what had this bump on teacher attendance? What policy is similar to that that we yeah. might mimic well, it, no, sure right? you can. I mean, there's some general applicability here, right? If, if a teacher or school fears sanctions, they they show up. Mm-hmm. They, they get their mm-hmm. act together. So, right. so it doesn't have to be NCLB in Yeah, particular. policy is very, very good at, at uh, creating a response. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, we, we have to be savvier about anticipating those responses, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's exactly, you know, earth-shattering news mm-hmm. that if you pull this lever, something happens over there. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we would say, what, what would be a school-level policy that might mimic this where we didn't have to have this big federal NCLB? thing where we say mm-hmm. teachers who call who, who don't miss more than 10 times get a what $50 bonus a month or whatever this showed that the stick worked yeah, yeah. I mean look I, I've been <laughs> that's right well I, I mean I would say I put this in more negative terms I mean I'm as you know I'm very nervous about some of the discipline reforms that are being pushed today mm-hmm. to make it a lot harder to suspend kids again they're, they're I understand the impulse and and there's certainly places where that suspensions and expulsions have gone overboard. But you can imagine that if, for example, you are threatening schools with sanctions, if their uh, suspension rates are too high, you can predict that right. schools will respond. They, they're not going to just ignore this. Down. Right. 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 Uh, yeah. so, so might reading and math scores, but. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you're right. right. It's just that policy is such a crude lever. Yeah. Uh, and it comes. A crude lever and a slow acting lever. Uh well, in some ways. I mean, these teachers responded so, right away. The first yes, year. But they showed up to yeah. school. But we're not sitting here talking about education right. reform because we're trying to get people to show up at 8 o'clock in right. the morning. We're trying to improve educational outcomes. So right. it's, right. it's yes. part that three, at least. Yes. First right. they show up, then they improve instruction, right. then things get right. better. It's all yeah. linked. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Amber. Fascinating stuff. It and uh, hey, love it that there is more and more research for us to talk yes. about. And it's and not just that there's a null finding anymore. Right. And shout out to the 74 because uh, I think Matt's really servicing some studies that, yeah. you know, aren't on, always on our radar screen. Yeah, but I mean, by the way, why do our EEPs not send me their stuff? I say this all the time. Seth should have just sent me the study. They don't right? write. I mean, they don't call. They leave you. home. They're ungrateful. Yeah. Anywho. But yeah. we stumble Eeps. upon it somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all the time we got for this week. Until next week. I'm Robert Pondicio. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. For more information, find us online at edexcellence.net.